0: Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Turn over a couple pages, if you would, to chapter 13. I want to look at a couple passages there in chapter 13. Verse number 5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I want to take just a few minutes this morning, and I want to look at a few of the promises that God has made here in the Scriptures Back in about, I think it was probably around 2012, Valerie probably could tell me because she's really good at keeping up with what I did and learning stuff, but we did a Sunday school series on the promises of God, and we spent several weeks, and we looked at 50 promises that God makes in the Word of God, and I've been kind of looking back at those as I've been studying through the Revelation. I want to take a few minutes, and I want to look at just a few of these promises this morning, but the title of the message is Some Days Are Better Than Others. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this precious book, God. Thank you for the word that you've given to us, God. Thank you that you took the time to move upon men and write it down and send it our way, God, that we might have this word, that we might have this blessed assurance, that we might have this promise, that we might have this hope. And God, I pray you take it now, and I pray your Holy Spirit would move in this place. I pray you'd speak through your own words, God, as we look into it. I ask you to speak to everybody in this place as only the Holy Spirit can do, God. There's every different battle, every different season, every different storm, every different trial, every different situation. They're all present right here among this people, God. And each one is different, Father. And you know each one in a personal way. And I'm asking you, Lord, may your Holy Spirit... Move in this place this morning, God, that each one of us might walk out a better servant, more in love with you, more in tune with you, more in connection with you, God. May we be what you want us to be. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that we can always count on that is an absolute fact is that God's promises are sure. God's promises are faithful. God's promises are everlasting. They will never fade away. God has never lied. God will never lie. God cannot lie. God cannot be in the presence of a lie because God is holy. 1,920 times this book says, I will. In the book of Hebrews alone, God says, I will bless thee. I will multiply thee. I will make a new covenant. I will put my laws into their heart. I will be unto them a God, and they shall be unto me a people. I will be merciful, amen. Amen. I will never leave them nor forsake them. Sometimes we go through some things, not because God has forsaken us, but because God is doing something in us. And sometimes we go through some problems not because God has forgotten about us, not because God has forsaken us, because God is doing something to increase our faith because sometimes the size of your faith can determine the size of your miracle. In the book of Matthew, chapter 8, the centurion comes and he's talking to Jesus. His servant is sick unto death, and he's asking Jesus about healing him. And if you know the conversation can't come under my roof and then he talks back and forth but here's what jesus told him go thy way as thou hast believed so be it done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self-same hour you know what that tells me That that centurion believed that he was the son of God. He believed he had the power over sickness and death. Believed he could heal the centurion. And at the moment Jesus said, however you believe it, that's the way to be done. Jesus comes walking into town. Matthew chapter 9. Two blind men are following along talking to him. Verse number 28 says, when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, yea, Lord. He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. The ten lepers stood afar off. They're crying out, Jesus is passing by. And they're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on the Son of David. Now, you would expect expected that they would have thought that Jesus would have stopped and touched them. He would have done some mighty act of power. He would have done some great thing so that everybody could see that he cleansed leper because no man cleanses leper but God. Amen. It's written. But Jesus simply says, go, show thyself unto the priest. Number one, they can't be around people. Number two, they can't be around the town. Number three, they can't be around the temple. And they sure can't be around the priest. But Jesus says, you go, show yourself to the priest. I believe that they had to have known he was up to something because the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. In the Old Testament, Naaman the leper had leprosy. God told him through his prophet to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. The Jordan's an old muddy river. I have no doubt that Naaman could have said, I have better rivers in my own homeland Cleaner rivers, mightier rivers. Why would I go get in that old muddy Jordan River? Can I tell you? Because God said to. He went and got in that old muddy Jordan River, and six times he dipped down in that old muddy water, and six times he came up with leprosy. But by faith, he went down on the seventh time, and he came up cleansed. Sometimes the size of your faith determines the size of your miracle. Many times what we see is that it is about faith. But faith can be a funny thing. One day, you're on top of the world. One day, you're ready to take on the world. And the next day, you sit in the church house and wonder, is it even all real? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some days are just better than others. You think about John the Baptist. He's the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent to announce his coming. He's baptizing people here in the Jordan in Matthew chapter 3. In verse number 11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so for now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. Mark tells about the same story, chapter 1, verse 6. John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It shall come to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan and straightway coming up out of the water, saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John saw that. Luke gives his presentation of the occasion in chapter 3. But over in John, John talks about it in chapter 1, verse 26. Answer them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth Bar beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There's not a doubt in my mind that John the Baptist knows exactly who Jesus of Nazareth is. He knows exactly who he's talking about. But then Jesus had some things to say about John the Baptist. It says in Matthew chapter eleven verse seven, they departed. Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, When you went out into the wilderness to see, what what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, those they that wear soft. Clothing or in kings' houses. But what ye went out for to see, a prophet? Yea, and I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus Christ was. He was sent to foretell of the coming of Christ. But if you still have your Bibles there in Matthew chapter 11, look back up at verse number 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of, coming, an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed then to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Some days are better than others. You think about Peter. One minute he's walking on the ocean. He's walking on the sea on troubled waters. The next minute he's sinking. Do you know what happened? He took his eyes off Jesus. And when you take your eyes off Jesus, you put your eyes on the storm, you begin to realize how big the storm is. You begin to realize that the storm is more than you can handle, more than you can conquer, more than you can overcome, more than you can do. If your eyes are on the storm, then your focus cannot be on God. One day, Peter said, Jesus, I'll live for you. One day, he said, I'll die for you. Matter of fact, he said, I will never deny you. But less than 24 hours later, he said, I know not the man. Some days are better than others. But sometimes, when things aren't going so good, we just need to remember the promises that we have. If we didn't have anything else but the promise of our salvation, that's enough. And the promise of our salvation, in the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 39, David said, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Somebody's going to need to underline that. Somebody's going through something right now. You need that. And if you're not, you will. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust him. The prophet Isaiah chapter 25 verse 9 said, It shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, what has gone on in your life, or what will go on in your life. There's a better day coming. Jesus says there's a better day coming. Matter of fact, he told us, John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he gave us that promise in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a day coming. Jesus promised in his own words, that there's a heavenly home waiting for you and I. The book of Revelation chapter 21, John got a little glimpse of it. In verse number two, he said, I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Not only does he promise me a new home, but he says he's going to give me a new name. We've looked at it. I've looked at five of the seven letters over the past few weeks uh, uh, there that Jesus wrote to the churches. But in chapter 2 of Revelation, verse number 17, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. I'm looking forward to eating on some of that. Yeah. And will give him a white stone, and in the stone, stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, Saving he that receiveth it. We looked at it in chapter 3 of Revelation, verse number 12. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Somebody needs to pay attention. I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh uh, down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. I am amazed that God could give a flying two cents about my name. I'm amazed that God would even bother to have a brief little thought that even considered that I ever existed. I'm amazed that he knows my name wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life with the blood of Jesus, but he's got another name written just for me. Crazy how much God loves us. Not only a new home and not only a new name, but he says that there's some crowns to be won. Now, I want you to understand as I look at these. These crowns are not free. These crowns are earned these crowns are rewards for those who diligently seek Him. These crowns are for those who serve Him. These crowns are for the ones who are trying to walk in the center of His perfect will and keep their life in line with the Father's will. In James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 1 Peter 5, 4, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, For what is our hope? or joy or crown of rejoicing, or not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. But then when Paul writes his letters to the church at Corinth, then the first letter, chapter 9 and verse 25, he said, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. The world is all about some crowns today. The world is all about the self-proclaimed pat on the back today. The world is all about you giving them something today. The world is all about being recognized for what they do today. They're all about the crown of financial success. They're all about things like worldly success. They're all about things like personal gratitude. their personal satisfaction or personal gain. But God says to the faithful that there will be a crown of life that will never fade away. I'm amazed that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, would wear a crown of thorns so that you and I could wear this crown of life. When things aren't going so well in this world, anybody know what I'm talking about? When some days are better than others, it's not under that better category. It's kind of on that other side. When things aren't necessarily going so well in this world, I know, it's, I know it's difficult. but Sometimes we just have to remember it's only temporary. It's right. Not as just as life temporary. as that the Bible doesn't already tell us that life is but a vapor. If you live to be 100, what is that next to an eternity? So we know that even life itself is just a vapor. But in all honesty, the storm is just a vapor of the life. Right. No storm's ever lasted forever. But, boy, it seems like they do, don't it? And when you're in the middle of it and there's no sun peeking in and there seems like there's no way out and it seems like it'll never end, sometimes we just have to remember that there's an eternity to come. You and I have got some things to look forward to because God promises. He promises that he'll cleanse us. In John chapter 15, verse 2, Jesus said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. How many of you have ever tended grapevines, muscadine vines, scuttle vines? Y'all didn't grow up with Earl Yancey. I told y'all before, we used to have rows of those things. But this is such a great illustration. Every branch, it says that he, he purgeth it. So here's what happens. Anybody likes cumin's, muscadines, grapes. So the stuff grows. But what happens at the end of the growing season? They're all gone, and the leaves fade, and the leaves fall. If you leave that vine, now understand that vine produced fruit, did it not? That vine did its job, that that, that all of the stems that reached out are connected to the vine, which is connected to the root. They did their job. They put out all of the grapes that they were supposed to put out. But if that thing were left alone come the next growing season, it will not produce near the fruit that it ought to. Because it spent so much time taking care of all of that extended, unnecessary stuff. So seeing you spend what seems like forever. You've got a vine about yay big around, and it looks like this. There's branches going everywhere in all directions, and you have to go to every one of those with a little pruning shear, and just past the little first notch, snip, 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 snip. That's on Monday morning, Monday night, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and it's snip. It's one branch at a time. It's purging that. It's taking off all that that's not necessary. And then you take that and you put it into the fire and it's gone. But because you purged it come next year, it will produce much more fruit. Sometimes the master is just purging us. Revelation chapter 19 verse 8. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. That's you and I. That is the redeemed. That is the blood-bought bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 14, says the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us. Everybody like riding horses? Go get some lessons. You got a long ride coming. First John, chapter 3, we looked at this recently. We did a sermon not too long back on it, but it says, chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But what about now? What about this life? Now, I I, I get all that. I, I get all that. I know there's a better day coming. I know there's an eternity waiting. I know glory is there. I know I go to prepare a place for you. I know all of that then, but what about now? I'm just trying to get through this life today. I'm just trying to live a life pleasing to God today. I'm just trying to make it through today. Let's don't look at eternity. How do I get through this right now? Well, you take some time. You read God's Word, and you pray And what you'll find in that God's Word is not some tool to beat you up. It is a tool to teach you how, and it is a tool to encourage you. God did not give us this book for any reason other than to encourage you and I. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Can I tell you that word peculiar means a purchased people. It means a preserved people. People, So when he's talking about you and I, he says you have not only been purchased, but this purchase has preserved you for all of eternity. Yeah. There is never a day that will lose it. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. God promises abundant life. Not just in eternity. He promises abundant in this life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Listen, it's not a life without trials. It's not a life without troubles. It's not a life without some situations. But here's what troubles and trials and problems are. It is learning to live in the joy of the Lord in the midst of the problem. It is the joy of the Lord in the face of adversity. Anybody can smile on a good day, but it takes an anointed child of God to smile on the bad day. Any child of God can walk through and hold their head up and look proud, but the people around you, that's not the day they're looking at you. That's not the day they're measuring you. That's not the day they're sizing you up. When everything's going good and everybody's patting you on the back and all the world is good, that's not the day that the enemy is measuring you. It's on the day when all hell breaks loose at your house and you walk in with a smile on your face in spite of it. That's the day when they see Christ in us. That's the day when they see the anointing on our lives. Goes on there in John chapter 10 and verse number 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is in an hireling and not the shepherd who's owned the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's in an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, if God is willing to give his only begotten Son for me, and the only begotten Son is willing to suffer that horrible death on the cross for me, then do we honestly believe that there is anything he would withhold from us? If he has given us the most precious gift ever given, ever to be, ever can be given, if he's already given us that, do we believe that there's anything that he would withhold? Philippians chapter 1, verse 26 says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ, for by me coming to you again. 1 Timothy 1:14, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 1:3: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There are no limits to what God can do for us. That's right. There are no limits to what God wants to do for us. There are no limits to what God will do for us. God promises an abundant life. He promises to hear our prayers, and he promises to answer our prayers. How much more hope can we get? 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, closing chapter, closing part of it. He tells us, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things unto them that ask Him? Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, "And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive." First, first Peter 3:12, "For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. God hears. Anybody listening? God hears every prayer that every one of his children ever prays. Since you became a child of God, you have never whispered a prayer, thought a prayer that God did not hear. When we were lost, he wasn't listening to those prayers. He was keeping a hedge of protection about us, keeping us alive and giving us every opportunity to be saved. He was listening for one thing, Father, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. I can't take it out here anymore. I need you to save my soul. From that moment on, he not only hears every prayer that you ever pray, he keeps every prayer that you ever pray. It is a fragrance to him. It is an odor. It is a sweet-smelling aroma. Every prayer that every one of us in here... Revelation chapter five verse eight. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty and four elders fell fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials. That is vases. They have vases made of gold there in heaven, and it says full of odors. Those are fragrances. Those are pleasing aromas which are the prayers of the saints that is golden vials in heaven held by the angels among the 24 elders around the throne of god that is a sweet smelling fragrance god will never forget one of your prayers god holds them they are pleasing you better be careful what you pray better be careful what you pray anybody thankful for some unanswered prayers lord God will never forget not one of our prayers. So we know that God hears our prayers because he keeps them in this vial and preserves them forever. And if we know that if we pray and God hears them and God promises to answer, then it goes back to what he said. You shall have the petitions that you desire. But then there's the assurance that God promises us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 for the which calls, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Sometimes we'll suffer some trials, some, sometimes some persecution, sometimes we go through some hard times. But, but the promises of God gives us assurance that, that whenever I trust Him and whatever things I trust to Him, God's going to take care of it. That's right. yeah. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. The work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Acts chapter 17, verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, for the gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in Much assurance. Hebrews back to chapter 10. But verse 22 says. Let us draw near with a true heart. And full assurance of faith. Some days you're on top of the world. Other days you feel like the lowest snail around. Some days are better than others. Some day your faith is stronger than others. (laughs) On the days when you're feeling weak. Just pray. On the days when you're feeling sick, just pray. On on the day when it seems like everybody's against you, just pray. On the day when you don't even feel like you can pray, just pray. On the day when you don't know what to pray, just pray. On the day when you sit there and you bow before God, you God, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know where to start. Just begin to pray and let the Holy Spirit make utterance for you. When it doesn't make sense to pray, that's the only time it makes sense to pray. Call on God, but read this book. Read this book. You talk to him, and you let him talk to you. You let him talk to you, and you talk to him. It's a conversation. Yes, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Yes, we have a personal relationship. Yes, there's communication. Yes, he will lead you and guide you. No, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, he will speak. But sometimes, am I the only one in here that's like, God, where are you at? I don't hear you. I don't feel you. I don't see you. I don't know where you are in this. I know you're close by because I ain't dead and the enemy would kill me if you wasn't. I know you're around because you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. But where are you right now? Just open it up and start reading and let him show you where he is. The problem is we live in this society so now that we have microwaves and pocket computers and riding down the road, we tell our car, hey, ask Google a question and it answers us. Y'all got them things in your house. What's her name? Alexa. Alexa that you go- can, can, I wonder if we were to ask God half as many questions as people ask that computer. Wow. Wow. What would happen in our lives? If every time we had a question, just think about it, think about it. If every time, and I promise you I'm the chief of this right here, I'll pull Google up in a minute and ask it a question. I'm tired of them old days just being a dummy, don't know nothing. I'm still a dummy, don't know nothing, but I can find out some stuff. And I will ask Google a question in a minute. I'm talking about Bible questions, too. Just to get me to the right verse sometimes, just so I can read. But I wonder if I stopped and asked God as many times as I ask all this electronic stuff, I wonder what a difference it'd make in my life. I'm probably all up in the hip of some younger generation right here, because all y'all know is that electronic world. I'm a newcomer into this stuff. I barely know how to turn mine on. But I know how to say, okay, Google. And that thing says, beep, and I'm ready. Wonder if we went to God. I wonder if we went to this book for as many answers as we go to those electronics for. I wonder if we went to this book as many times as we go to somebody at work, a neighbor, somebody at school. Hey, man, let me ask you something. And we begin, I wonder if we looked for our answers here, what it might do difference for us. See, this, this microwave society, we want everything right now. It's not always God's way. It's not that twinkle, twinkle, tickle, tickle, ding. Y'all don't even know bewitched right here, do you? It's, it's not bewitched. It, it, it's not a magic show. It's not a genie in a bottle. God is not there to give us our every wish or not even the first three. He is there to take care of us for our own good and his own glory. Right. He is there to do everything that we need according to his own perfect will. In order to get us to the place where he needs us, he may take us to a place that we don't want to be. In order to get us where he needs us, he may, he may have to take us to a place where there's no way out. And no hope left. And then do a miracle that you won't ever forget. And increase your faith in a way that it won't ever fail again. Some days are just better than others doesn't mean you're a failure when you fail. It just means you failed at the moment. But God says, just come on to me. It's okay. I love you. I'll forgive you. I'll strengthen you. I'll love on you. I'll hold you. I'll make you better. I'll make you stronger. I'll make you holy. I'll make you righteous. And God, good is God good? Some days are just better than others. But every day is held in the hand of our God. Can I get you to just stand where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you're in one of those good days, it's always a good time to say thank you. thank you. And if you're in one of those not so good days, it's always a good time to say, Lord, help me. So it really doesn't matter which day we're on, we're all to be in an attitude of prayer, right? It really doesn't matter if we're on our best day or our worst day, the best place to be is at the altar. If, if we're praying for something, when we get it, we need to spend just as much time saying thank you for what you did. There's never a bad time to be at the altar. There's never a bad time to pray where you're standing. There's never a bad time to pray in your car. There's never a bad time to pray. Men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm fully convinced that there wasn't some of those bad days in our lives. We wouldn't pray near as hard. But as we go through a series of good days, anybody ever wonder if I was really, really good at saying thank you, and I never failed all throughout the day, every day to say thank you, I wonder if I'd have to go through less. Or if I could just be like that one leper that come back to say thank you instead of being like the nine. Instead of a year later something comes up, I go, man, it just dawned on me. That that I used to be praying about, God done fixed that, and I didn't even realize it. That problem's gone. I didn't even realize it was gone. But God took care of it. God help us. Thank you for good days and forgive us for the weak days when we're just not quite as strong. God understands that. He's dealt with it since the beginning of time. It's not a a failure on your part. We just still battle that old flesh. Sometimes we just got to pause. Talking about be still. Be still. Who was that this morning? Somebody talking. Be still this morning. Oh, that was Ty Griffey's. That was Ty down at the prayer altar this morning when he was praying and studying. Be still. Sometimes you just got to be still. Lord's doing something. Let me ask you here this morning. If I could get you to bow your heads, I know most everybody's praying anyway. If you're not praying, if I get you to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute. Is there anybody in this place? you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We celebrated this morning 640-something, 216 saved on Friday, 427 saved on Saturday. We celebrated that. We celebrated um, the 2,000-plus souls that have been saved so far this year in Judgment Journey. We celebrate this morning there was three saved in detox. We, we celebrate the ones that have been saved at the schools with our youth pastors going out of the schools. But can I tell you something? If you're in here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible doesn't say it takes 300 at Judgment Journey. It says that all of heaven will rejoice over the coming home of one lost sinner. Heaven's standing there waiting on you The blood of Jesus is sufficient. The power of God is able. And all he's waiting on is for you to trust the gift that he's already offered to you. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have no part in heaven. You have no part with God. You have no relationship. And be honest, your only future is hell. But he says, I can change all that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. None other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. The name is Jesus. Have you called on the name of Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? If you don't, you can change all that. There has to be a confession with your own mouth. The Bible says there must be a confession of our sins. You can't realize, you can't be saved until you realize you're a sinner. For all the sin that comes short of the glory of God, that's every one of us. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner? Lord I'm asking you to come into my heart this morning I'm asking you to save my soul I ask these things in Jesus name if you said that you're just as much a child of God as anybody else in this place because you trusted Jesus Christ and he alone saved your soul if you said that prayer this morning it's not a magic prayer it's a position of the heart right where you're at would well, you say man I'm not ashamed I'm thrilled to death that on this day I'm a child of God I'd go to heaven if I die because of what Jesus did right where you're at well, you slip your hand up nobody's looking I'm not going to point you out I'm not going to come to you I just want to rejoice be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner come to repentance what a day what a day